Welcome to Camdeners, the official podcast for the Camden Clean Air Initiative with me, Jeffrey Young. In this podcast, we get to know and discover the lives of Camdeners, those special individuals shaping the unique and vibrant culture of the borough of Camden. And today in the studio, I'm delighted to have Camdener Ariel Bruce, a social worker who specializes in post-adoption services. Welcome, Ariel. Thank you very much. Very kind of you to invite me. Excellent. Now, I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your own background in, in, in the borough of Camden. Uh, well, I was, I was born in Hampstead and um, my, my parents' first home was in St, um, King Henry's Road. We didn't stay in London at that time uh, for that long. I think we left by the time I was three or four. But I returned uh, to live in Camden in the mid-1980s. Um, and have been here ever since with the odd foray into uh, uh, the English um, uh, uh, shires, but have always returned, and I now live permanently here. Great. So you're a real Camdener. I am. Brilliant to know. Now, um, we have a sort of a personal um, kind of um, connection in in the sense that you're a person that is – you make a living or what you do is to is to connect people who have been adopted to their mothers and um, finding finding family stories connecting people what do you what do you call yourself what uh, what's the, <laughs> what's the, what's, the, what's the official jo- official title well i am a qualified social worker and um, i retain that qualification and i retain my registration so primarily, I'm a social worker who specialises in post-adoption services. Alongside that, uh, I have learnt the skills needed to trace missing people. And I guess that my job is therefore a fusion of tracing and the sort of um, care and support that that n- not only people involved in adoption, but people who have lost family members through um, you know divorces or emigration or other family schism. So uh, that's a sort of long title, but I think it's a reasonable description of the work I do. Mm. And how long how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been doing that for nearly forty years. Mm. Well, really, a, really, since I, I qualified, worked within the local authority for a time, and through a sort of s- series of strange accidents, came to do this sort of work and never stopped. Well, I have to sort of uh, bring on to the record that um, as a person that was adopted myself and, and, and actually really um, humbled to be able to have you here in the studio and... Um, you know, to tell the audience that you were the person that connected me with my biological mother. So a big thank you. Um, well, th- thank you, Jeffrey. You know, it's um, I don't know what to say. It's a, uh, it's always. I mean, I think that, I think that these searches 
are to a large extent for people about identity. If you happen to find someone with whom you get on, I think that's such a bonus. But the search for self always seems to me to be at the heart of these searches. And um, I'm so pleased that for you, that search has had meaning. Yeah, search for self. Good title of a book there, perhaps, or something could come um, at a later stage. But I, I genuinely, that was my my desire, my need. And, and thank you for helping me to fulfill that. And I'm still very much in touch with Maggie, my biological mother, um, yeah, to, to this day. So that's it's been a great... Uh, great journey, and um, uh, we've even managed to create some projects together in New York City. Um, Gosh. I know when we had lunch a few years, quite a few years ago, um, it was well beyond before, before COVID, it was well beyond, and I um, yeah, had the pleasure of meeting you in, in person. And, and um, But uh, yeah, I've gone on to create a New York coffee festival with Maggie, um, my birth mother, who happened to be the um, a music um, and an events promoter in New York City, and we brought a coffee festival to New York. It's still around today, and will happen again this year. And um, that working together with um, a mother that I'd I'd found was an exhilarating experience. Yeah, not without its challenges as well. Um, which let's let's get deeper into. Your work. Uh, maybe, maybe there's um, something in the genetic makeup that you and she share that you're interested in, in music and so on. I think that the, these things are not coincidental. Mm. I believe I was at a Rolling Stone concert in Sydney <laughs> back in 1965 in her tummy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I certainly, as a teenager, loved the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so I think there was something in that. <laughs> Right. So how do you go about connecting? You know, you get a call, you get an email, I'd like to find a person. Um, what's the process that you go through? You know, I find that so difficult to answer because it's a question which is um, so dependent on the information that's available as to know how you do it, um, I don't, you know, it's, it, it, I find that a really difficult question to answer. Um, the way in which you might search for somebody called um, Thomas Smith is quite different from the way you might search for a person called Ariel Bruce. And every name has a repeat number on it. I was doing some work just before we left uh, on uh, a person whose last name is Phillips and they married someone called Robinson. And if I were to take a 30-year period looking at, say, any children that they might have had or, say, a 20-year period, there are going to be probably 25 children of that combo. How would I know which are the right one? So, Every name has got a repeat on it. Um, and therefore, how you find people depends on the information that's given. There's not, I think what you need to do it is a problem-solving mentality, not necessarily an absolute set of knowledge. But I think 
the the desire to solve a, a puzzle and a problem is at the heart of it. Perhaps a bad analogy, but is it sort of like a crime scene that you, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of need to inspect a Clouseau? <laughs> How are we going to get? So, okay, um, what's the what's the success rate? And again, it's going to depend. My success rate? Yeah. Well, um, and again, I, I need to be careful in answering that. My success rate is very, very high, but there are caveats within that. And that is to say that there are searches which people ask me to take on, which I know I would be unsuccessful in. And that I'm not the first port of call. They might need to do DNA first, for example. And therefore, I will guide people in a different direction. And a perfect example of this is, in the past, foundlings, children who have been left somewhere, would come to me and say, would I undertake their search? And I would always say, I can't do that, and I don't want to take it on. I'll give you false hope. So I didn't take those searches on. Actually, today we can do those searches. It's the most exciting development. So the answer to, in simple terms, the answer to your question is about 96 or 97% successful. I've just solved a case now which has taken me six years. But that is with the caveat that there are some people and some searches I don't take on because I don't think I have the skills to do. Right. Okay. And you must, in all this time in 40 years, you, it must be incredibly rewarding personally to have that impact on somebody else's life or lives. Of course, the simple answer is yes. I wouldn't do a job that um, caused harm or caused damage. I would wish to do something that was helpful and useful. But it's just as when people, for example, don't get on or find a very difficult set of solutions. It's quite difficult if one were to own that. And it's also difficult to own the success. So you just sort of simply say, well, I to some degree think of myself as a, a sort of um, a functionary. You're a bit like, you're a bit like the, the vicar at the wedding. Yeah. On the day, you are incredibly important, but actually you, 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 you don't, you're not a party to whether that that marriage is a success or not. And I feel more like that than someone who's actually responsible for. All I do is give people the opportunity to make something of a relationship. I don't make the relationship. And so, again, it sounds like you've got to put those emotions away and put the, the researcher cerebral head on. I mean, that's not an absolute, and that's not absolutely true, but these lives are not mine. They belong to other people, and I understand that. Are there any, I mean, obviously not divulging any, any individuals or anything, are there any moments where you've just looked back at two people or several people that have been connected that have just truly inspired you? And a and follow-up question on that is, have there been any in the borough of Canada? <laughs> with my Camden's hat on now, <laughs> then maybe people have been connected here in this borough. Well, you know, the most recent work that I'm doing and have been doing in the last 
five or six years has been work with foundlings. Foundlings, it's an, it's an 18th century word, but it means children who have been left somewhere, usually and hopefully left in a, you know, to be found. Often they're well wrapped up and they're left somewhere in a public place where they'll be found very quickly. Um, hitherto, it was impossible uh, to find out where they came from. But mass DNA, that's um, the use of the sort of DNA that people undertake because they're interested in their family heritage, has transformed that work. And I'm absolutely committed to that. And so uh, there is a little story which I can happily tell you, which is that I worked about 25 years ago for a young woman who had been adopted. Her family did live in Camden, as it happens. And at about the same time, her brother, also adopted, separately adopted, into the same family, came to me and asked, could I help him? I was able to help his sister, but unfortunately, the young man was a foundling. And I couldn't help him. And I said to him, I'm so sorry, I can't help you. Fast forward to about 10 years ago, and a, a woman comes to me and asks me to find her family, straightforward adoption. I find her family. I find her birth mother living in Ireland. And she gets the information about her heritage that she needs. She decides that she would like to find her birth father, and so she does a test. And on the test, the most astonishing thing happens that suddenly there is a half-sibling on the test. And first of all, we don't quite understand who this person, you know, where is it a paternal half-sibling? Is it a maternal half-sibling? We don't know. I look at the photograph that the person has put on their profile, on Ancestry, and it's the foundling that I couldn't help help from 20 years prior. They are half, they are half siblings to each other, and they are very, very bonded, and that is indeed a Camden story. They are the best of pals, so I'm, I'm pleased. I'm happy. Amazing. There's a foundling museum in Cannes? There is. It's just around the corner from where I live. And I didn't choose to live there because of it. <laughs> it just happened. It's funny. Just today, I was at a, another event related to a, my day job of coffee. but um, And um, that topic came up <laughs> serendipitously. Yes. And I, I thought, well, we need to get the curator of that museum or something onto, onto this podcast as well. So, Well, the museum is extraordinary. And really touching. Um, when you go to it, you'll find that poor women not able to bring up their children would um, take a piece of cloth and cut it in half and leave a half with the child and take the other half in the hope that one day they could reclaim their child. And they've still got the tokens. They've got walls of tokens and they are extraordinary things to see. Wow. It's really deep, really deep. I wonder if you could tell us about the Long Lost Family series that you're involved in. Well, I've been doing Long Lost Family now for 13 years. Um, and I 
run the research and social work care for the series. About five years ago now, we started a sub a sub series. That's not quite the right word, but a group a group of films which we call Born Without Trace, and they're really special. They they are about foundlings. You know, it's an 18th century word. Now, because of mass DNA, we are able to identify their family groups and indeed, if they're living, their their parents. And if the parents are sadly deceased, we're often able to reunite our foundlings with their siblings. Um, that series starts this year on um, Monday the 26th of June and goes on for three nights, the 26th, 27th and 28th at um, nine o'clock on ITV. And then the main series of Long Lost Family will go on for many weeks um, through uh, July and August. And who are the presenters on the show? Davina McCall and Nikki Campbell are the presenters. And, you know, our contributors are fantastic. They're not people who are, in a sense, uh, used to being on television. They are people who tell a, an absolutely extraordinary story, both about being found, the lives that they've had, and when we are able to complete their circle by them coming to understand something about their background. Great. Well, amazing. Look forward to, to watching. It's very, very close to home for me. And uh... Well, for me, I have to say, um, after so many years of not being able to help people in those circumstances, um, it has been the cherry on the cake to be able to do that work. A privilege. Great. Ariel, thanks for joining us here today on Camdeners. Thank you very much. And that's all this week for Camdeners. Camdeners was recorded in Serendipity Studios in Arlington Road for the Camden Clean Air Initiative. Camden.